You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi there, you're listening to episode 112 of the Blended Family Podcast, and I am bringing you a great interview today with a relationship expert. I timed this around Valentine's Day on purpose, but really, relationships are work all year long. Before I play the interview, just a couple of announcements. Thank you to those of you who reached out to me after hearing episode 110 a couple of weeks ago. It was a really painful time for me and certainly continues to be a tender spot. If you haven't listened, basically I was talking about my youngest daughter deciding to move out of my house and in with her dad. I'm doing better, and as time goes on, things get easier and more normal, I guess. I don't think I'll ever be happy about it, but look, that's just the way things go sometimes. Anyway, many of you took the time to send me a little message, and it was really helpful for me to have your support. So many thanks to all of you. A reminder about the PayPal donate button on the site. I really hate even bringing it up, to be honest, but it does cost me money to put out the show for you, and I've chosen to not have advertisements. So if ever you want to give back, it's there. Please don't feel obligated. I will love you all the same, and I will continue to create content for you every week, donations or no donations and coaching with me. My calendar is filling up for February and March. If you wanna work with me one-on-one to come up with solutions for your blended family or maybe you need some emotional support, I am here for you. You can go to the website or simply go to blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash schedule. And if you're not sure about it, just contact me and we can set up a free 15 to 20 minute phone call. That way you can decide if it's a good fit. And that is all for today. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. Today, I have joining me Dr. Janelle. Dr. Janelle is a PhD psychologist and relationship advisor working with individuals and couples who want to improve communication, collaboration, and harmony in their relationships. Dr. Janelle focuses on non-traditional relationships and family structures, for example, female same-sex couples, divorced and remarrying couples, and blended families, helping to navigate the challenges in these complex dynamics by developing skills that lead to stronger partnerships, better parenting, and greater peace. Janelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm really happy to be here. I'm a big fan of your show. Thank you. So I love that we're doing this show around Valentine's Day because I always love to do a show around the holiday that focuses on relationships. It's just kind of a reminder for people to pay attention to their partner, especially my listeners, right? All of my listeners are parents and blended families. As you can imagine, blended families can be overwhelming and certainly can make it hard to nurture a relationship. So I'm super excited to have you here today to help us. Before we get started, I'd love for you to share a little more about yourself, specifically what brought you to the field of work you're doing now. Sure, yeah, much like you, Melissa, it's uh, the twofold of both a professional interest and a personal interest. Um, I have been studying psychology since about 2001, um, but started in high school. I've always been really interested in the human psyche and sort of how we understand each other, emotions, how we act, what causes us to respond in certain 
certain ways. And I ended up, you know, going through undergraduate, studying that as well as graduate school. Um, all the while, I am also the product of a blended family. My older sister is actually from my mother's first husband, and she actually called my father dad for the first 16 years of her life and didn't really know her father. And then my mother's third husband, which was after my father, um, had four children. So I grew up in my adolescence with four stepchildren and a stepfather in one household. And now, fast forward to my adult life, um, I was engaged to my high school sweetheart. Um, he and I did not have any kids, but I actually broke off that engagement to get together with my current partner, who is a woman who was married at the time to her husband with three kids. Mm. So now we co-parent across two households. The father's remarried and they don't have any uh, biological kids. So we share the three kids across households. Now, up until very recently, the children were primarily in our household. Um, just this past uh, June, about six or eight months ago, they started a 50-50 split. But for the first four and a half years we were together, the kids were with us more than 90% of the time. So I certainly am no stranger to the complexities around blended families and also the approaches that can be both good and bad when it comes to making your partnership survive and thrive in the midst of the chaos that is a blended family. Well, that's a great story. And I just love how life experience brings us to where we need to be. Similarly with me, I couldn't do this work if I didn't have a blended family. And as hard as my journey has been, I know it was essential to bring me to where I am right now. And I get so many questions, many surrounding the dynamics of blended families, and equally as many are relationship questions. We all know how difficult it is. Well, I hate to say difficult, but let's say it's a lot of work sometimes to nurture a relationship. The big difference, of course, with blended families is that there's never a time to grow a relationship where it's just the two of you, like your first relationships were before there were ever children involved. So Janelle, can you speak a little bit about this? I'd like to know what can a couple do, let's say in the beginning of a relationship, to make sure that they're able to work on their partnership when they're also trying to be parents and step parents and nurture a blended family at the same time? Yeah, this is such a great question, Melissa, and a really important issue. I talk about this a lot with my clients and, you know, recognize it in my own life as well, which is that, you know, in blended families and blended partnerships, there's really no opportunity for that wonderful, blissful honeymoon phase where everything is really all focused on the development of the partnership. And the other side of that, though, is that at least in most cases with many blended families, there is a situation in which there are no kids in the house for part of the week and then oftentimes where there are kids. Now, of course, that isn't completely the case across the board. Some blended families have certain children that are always in the house and things like that. Um, but a lot of times it turns out where unlike parents who have their children full time, you see that there are periods of time where you're not with your children. And I always encourage couples to make sure if they both have children coming into a blended family that they get on the same schedule so that all the kids are present at the same time and all the kids are not present at the same time so that you do get some downtime just as a couple because you have to sort of do it in tandem of learning how to be a blended family. Like you said, there's that, there's no opportunity beforehand, but you have to kind of use the time when your children aren't there to not feel empty without them, but to use that as an opportunity to grow and focus on your partnership and continue to date and explore things as a couple that isn't with their children all the time. And I always try to spin this to my clients that you know what? Most parents who have kids that are four, five, eight, ten don't get time without them that's scheduled every week. So in some ways, it's a benefit for your partnership because you have that already focused time to spend on your partnership. Yeah, and that's that's what we've always done from day one, even though 
the times when we had all of the kids together sometimes was so chaotic that we were tempted to split weekends up because we almost couldn't deal with it. Um, but then we always yep. went back to saying no, because then we will not have any time to nurture a relationship and have our own adult time. And I do agree. That's really important if people can do it. Um, okay. So if we fast forward a bit and talk about couples that have been together for a longer time in these cases, as all long-term relationships, the romance and excitement can wear off. So what can those couples do to keep things exciting? And I ask this because we all know about date nights and things like that, but really this is always challenging with blended families who have minimal time and minimal energy. So what would be your advice to the long-term couples? Sure. I mean, and some of this is, is an overlap with the first question, of course, because I want you know couples to continue to look at that time without their children as not just, oh, the time to get done everything I didn't get done before, but as special, like separate time you get to be with your partner. And yes, it doesn't happen every week. This is the other big thing I always tell my clients is to cut yourself some slack and remember that every single week, you're not going to feel as connected as the week before or week after. You're going to have ups and downs just because life is chaotic. But like you said, making sure you have a date a date night at least once a month is huge. And on top of that, where it's like sitting down and watching a favorite show together, or at least going to bed at the same time. I mean, these little things are really critical. I actually hosted a whole webinar on what I call take back the bedroom, uh, because I really believe that there are so many ways that we can help each other, like making sure you don't get out of bed in the morning without a kiss in the morning, making sure you don't leave the house without stopping to give each other a kiss before you say goodbye. In the chaos of a daily life with a blended family, you can just be all running in different directions that you stop and you know forget that you need to have those moments. And so that's where I really, it can be super small. It can be a text message in the middle of the day, but that at least helps to create that connection in the midst of all the, the madness. Yeah. Um, you know, I work with Sean, so we're kind of together all day long and I know a lot of people don't have that. One of my girlfriends had this great idea for other couples that don't work together, which is probably the majority. Um, what she does is every day when they get home from work, they stop everything they're doing for just 15 minutes. That's all it is. And they go and they sit down and they, they kind of do it, um, Indian style on the bed, you know, knees touching and holding hands, but you can do it however you want. Um, and they just take that 15 minutes to connect and just talk about what happened in their day. I mean, and they don't even care if the kids are around. They tell the kids, listen, we're taking our 15 minutes. This is our time, you know, and it's just a really good way to kind of connect with your partner uh, when you get home from the day and before you really start your, your whole parenting journey at night. And I actually think there's such an important part of that too, Melissa, which is that it's not waiting till all the kids are in bed and settled and done in the very last thing you do. Because what happens when you leave it to the end is that it doesn't happen. And I think it's so critical to say we're making this a priority that when we both show up in the house at the end of our work days, whatever that looks like, even if you work from home, when you're both done and committing to being finished with work, to sit down and have that minute. Whether it's Indian style on a bed or face-to-face -face at a kitchen table, it doesn't matter. But the point is to say, don't wait till nine, 10 o'clock when the kids are in bed for that 10 minutes. Cause you're going to be so beat by then you're not going to care what each other are saying. So I think that's such an important part. And I, you know, really good example there. Good, good. So one of the major challenges in blended families is a pretty obvious one. And that is working with children who may not like our choice of a partner. And I always tell my listeners that they can't choose a partner based on what their kids think. But at the same time, it's really hard to be in a relationship with someone when our kids don't like them. And alternatively, 
it is also extremely difficult to stay in a relationship with someone who may not like our child. And those relationships can't be forced. So what's your advice with this? Can we work through it? And if so, how? Yeah, this is a huge one. And actually, I think this is a misconception that so many blended families um, are unaware of when they start, which is that there's pretty much no blended family that at some point there is not some child and step parent that have a disagreement, much like some parent and their biological parent. But there are two major things here that I think are so important. One is to allow for an organic development of a relationship, right? So don't say, okay, I love this person so much, so they have to love my children or vice versa. Allow their relationship to develop in the same way that yours did. It's not going to be on the same timeline, but you need to allow for it to develop organically. Don't force your new partner to come in and be the authoritative parent and all of those things to your children who are not used to that and feel like that person is somewhat of a stranger. Even if they know them in some respects, they don't know them in that capacity as their parent. So you have to really let that happen slowly over time. And depending on the closeness and the age of the children, that can happen faster or slower. Certainly the other major factor, as I just sort of started to say, is the age of the kids, right? So if these kids are super young, it's really easy usually to have that relationship develop pretty strongly, but you're also going to see around the 8, 9, 10 age, even if the parent, um, the step-parent had a really close relationship with one of the stepchildren, that you could see a shift in that for a little while. And you have to remember that kids go through phases across the board. And we have always said in our family that at some point our children are going to be mad at every single one of us. It's, you know, across the board, right? And to have more people they can go to that they know, love, and trust them, the better. Because when I was growing up, I only had two people to go to. And if I was mad at both of them, I was just out of luck. So it's really nice that you can say, it's don't take it too personally, that they're going to forge those bonds when it's necessary, but don't force it overnight just because you feel very strongly towards your new partner. Great advice. And I I have said that before, too. So we're definitely on the same page. Um, So kind of along the same lines, what about the step siblings getting along? This is also a huge issue. We've struggled with this in our own family, and I talk about it a lot. So when bio siblings fight, it just not that big of a deal, right? We expect it. When step siblings fight, it almost makes you feel like you can't go on with the relationship, especially when it's bad. And it's silly since the kids are going to grow up and move out. But when you're in it, it feels insurmountable. So how can a couple not allow their children's rivalry to interfere with their own relationship? So that's a huge one, too. And this, again, huge, huge factor here is the age of the kids, of course, and how much parenting they had with their bio parent before the blended family, right? The more that they've bonded and and gotten accustomed to one particular style of parenting, the harder it is for them to immediately be like on the same page with their their step-siblings who may have been in a very different situation. But the one thing I can say that I've seen across the board can be the make or break in these situations, and this really goes for the parents as well, is that in your household, you are a family. You are a unit together, period. I don't care who's where the bloodlines draw, but really that when it comes to the way we treat each other, the values we hold, the way we do dinner time, whatever it is, that there is a family way in that household to do things. And that it doesn't matter. It's more of that shift for the parents to say, it doesn't matter which child is doing the thing that's not okay, because it's we have these guidelines as a united family in this house. And yes, it may be different because some kids don't grow up with two families, but you know, these kids do. And just to say in our household, 
household, in our family, these are the things that matter. Here's how we do things. And if someone isn't going along with that, it's an issue in our household. And if they say, hey, well, at dad's house, we get to do, it's the, oh, I'm sorry, but that's, you know, not how we do things in this house and across the board. But it has to be applied to all kids and the parents have to enforce it as well equally across the board. So, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but as far as parents are concerned, how do they, um, let's see, how do I word this? Almost not take it personal when, you know, how do they avoid the whole yours and mine thing? Like your, mm-hmm. your daughter, you know, did this to my son or vice versa or whatever it might be where, you know, because with Sean and I, we always knew you know, this is between the kids and we're not going to let ourselves get involved. But it was hard at the beginning because they, we had a couple of them that fought a lot and it did cause a lot of tension in our own relationship. So how can people, I mean, I figured this out, but how can people really avoid that and to really truly understand that they do not have to get involved? I mean, you have to get involved in certain situations, right? But to understand that, that the kids not getting along has nothing to do with your own personal relationship. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to ask? Yes. Okay. Yes, no, absolutely. I think, I mean, that's another example where the relationship between the step siblings needs to also happen organically. You know, they, it happens in the smallest ways and the like most unexpected times, depending on the age of the kids again, where, you know, they may seem to hate each other for years and all of a sudden they're hanging out and they're fine, you know, and you really do have to let, that's part of development and kids change their minds all the time. You know, they, they go back and forth between friends at school. It's going to feel the same way in the household. And that's another way to, for the parents to look out and remind themselves that they are kids who are going to change their mind. So instead of getting so invested in every emotion they express, you sort of have to let them play it out. And I I think that's just really critical to, again, say, you know what? We look at uh, these kids across the board as the kids in our house, and it's not yours and mine. It's not who's doing it right or wrong. It's that we have these kids in the house. Sometimes they get along. Sometimes they don't. As long as we know we're parenting in the same way across, you know, the values and shared, you know, rules and all of that, then at least we know that they're getting the same from us. And whatever else happens is between them. I mean, kids grow up, like you said, they move out and they become their own adults. And some of them stay close with their siblings and some of them don't. And that's true whether they're biologically related or not. So you do have to take a step back. And I would tell, you know, any of my clients who have only biological children that they have to develop those relationships on their own. And if they don't, then they don't. And that's not really up to you to enforce as the parent. Yeah. And I always tell people to, you know, with, I mean, even with my own kids, it's gone, they've evolved over the years, you know, and we, I mean, we have four of them, right? So we see like sometimes two of them will be closer than the other two and it changes all the time. And then we'll see another two getting close and it just constantly evolves over the years. I mean, we're in it 10 years now and uh, we've watched their relationships grow and change and we're okay with it as long as they're okay with it. And, and again, like you said, you can't force people to like one another, you know, just because you wanted to form this blended family, we can't expect them to all be happy and love one another. And yeah, so they just have to respect each other, right? So they don't have to become best friends, but they need to respect each other in in that they're under the same roof, living in the same household, sharing the same parents and values. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Now, speaking from experience, I know that no matter how great your relationship is, It is totally affected by raising children, any parent, any home, traditional or blended. It's stressful being a parent. Some of the things that come up with blended families that make it more challenging is the stress of everyone not getting along, 
dealing with extra financial burdens, schedule changes, ex-partner drama. I mean, I can go on and on. And I can tell you, even with Sean and I, that when we're alone, everything is perfect. We have no issues. But when the kids come into the picture, there's always some type of stress or drama that can just get in the way. We've been together for 10 years, but there have been times in the course of our relationship where we thought about ending things, times when the stress was too high. But we always hold on, though, because we know that one day things should get easier. So, Janelle, what can you say to the couples that are feeling so overwhelmed with the blended family stress that they just want to end things? You know, I think there's a very unique bond between the you know remarried couples that sort of find each other and you know weren't happy before, but did bring children into the world in those previous relationships and still want to be there for them and want to be their parents. But there's this level of already kind of sacrifice there to say, you know what? I know this is going to be complicated. Nobody who gets remarried when they have children is about to start a blended family thinks it's not going to be complicated, right? And I think part of that though is that you have this underlying commitment to each other to say, we already knew this was going to be hard and we're not quite sure what the hard looks like, but we're committing to each other to keep doing this. And I would always say that just to go back to that, remember that you're on the same team. I say that phrase all the time to my clients. You know, you are on the same team. You do have that love there and it will be hard and there'll be moments that are unexpected. And this is where, and you and I can both speak to this, but speaking to a third neutral party is the best thing you can do. I've been doing it for years. We've been doing it for years. And I think it's so important to have an outlet that can also give you some perspective because it's not always about advice you never thought of, but you're, you're so in it. You can't see the forest for the trees. You, you feel like you're at each other's throats because of this kid and that kid or this money situation. And it's really hard sometimes to take a step back and say, well, maybe they did that because they were trying to look out for you or maybe this, or maybe that we just get so lost in it. So I do think that if it's really at a place where you're feeling more hopeless than you'd like to go to see somebody, go to talk to somebody. I do really find that couples that love each other so strongly will have one session even and feel completely rejuvenated when it comes to that bond that they know they have there somewhere. Yeah, definitely. Just knowing, even just knowing that you're not alone, I mean, is a huge part of it all, right? Because so many people just think nobody understands what I'm going through, you know, and and thank God now recently, blended families are really becoming much more known and there's more resources for us. But for a while there, you know, people just didn't know where to turn for help. Um, So one of the major issues that comes up over and over again with my listeners is dealing with an ex. I'd say the majority of my listeners do not get along with their ex-partners, at least one of them. And this becomes a major point of contention with the couple. And we don't need to get into all the reasons this could be because we would be Mm -hmm. here all day. But I'd love for you to speak about this. How can a couple move past the issues with the ex and not allow it to damage what they're trying to build with their current partner? Absolutely. I mean, this is such a such a big issue, and I even see this with couples that start out and they're they have a very amicable relationship with their ex, and they're sort of this like it'll always be this way, and it's just not always that way. And you know, the the biggest thing that I say is boundaries, right? You need to set up really clear boundaries of what you do and you don't talk about, where you will you know bend and where you won't. Pickups, drop offs need to be you know secure and and clear when it's necessary. They can be flexed when it doesn't affect either person, but you know, there needs to be boundaries that are really set. And some of this is written in your divorce decrees. Some of it is about just the way that you kind of operate with your ex. Um, and I really think that this is the, the, 
biggest point that I've recently felt incredibly strongly about is sort of having, you think about um, like a Dutch door where there's a top half and a bottom half and that the bottom half is all that emotional stuff and all the issues that you had with your ex as a partnership and things that bother you about them and the way they approach things and the way that they operate, even with your kids. But the top is the stuff that's actually appropriate to talk about. It's the who's paying for this? How are we going to do this? You know, Billy's having issues in math. What are we going to do about it? It's the logistics about raising the children. Yes, you both have emotional attachment to your kids, of course, but you're going to do things differently and it's always going to rub you the wrong way. And it would have probably if you stayed married, but now that's not really your place to talk about it. And so the biggest thing I say is put up that that other half door and shut that conversation out and keep the conversation minimal across households and truly only about the things where your, you know, dual input is absolutely necessary. Otherwise you're going to talk to your kids when they're in your house and they're going to talk to them when they're in their house and they're going to be okay as a result. It's just knowing that you're having some communication back and forth. Okay, good. Good advice. Um, Do you have any exercises or simple tips or ideas that a couple can implement on a regular basis to grow their relationship? I mean, besides what we said earlier, you know, about the connecting and things like that. Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of different um, aspects, but one of my favorite things to recommend to couples, actually, and I pretty much do this with every person I meet, is to um, ask them to take the five love language personality uh, uh, inventory. So this is a really long withstanding inventory that kind of chronicles your love languages in five ways. So there's five types. I don't know if you're familiar with these, Melissa, but they're really fantastic. Um, And they basically tell you how you best want to receive love what it means to you. So there's physical touch, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, and gifts. And basically, if I'm someone who's really high on physical touch, it means that when someone hugs me, I feel the most loved versus when someone washes the dishes for me. Maybe that doesn't do much. But why I ask people to do this is that if both you and your partner do this, you can learn so quickly the way in which you each need love. And we tend to give love the way we actually want to receive it, which does not always line up. And so then you get this really clear, okay, so my partner is really big on acts of service, which means if she's having a bad day or if we're feeling disconnected, if I go get the car wash, which I know is something she's been meaning to do forever, that's going to really make her feel great and loved. And those are things that you might not know if you didn't know that she was somebody that really needed that. And on top of that, if you subscribe actually to their newsletter, you get suggestions every few days of things you can do for people who are high in each of the five love languages. So it's just really small, easy way to connect with both your kids, your friends, your family, and of course your partner based on those five love languages. So it's easy. It's free. It's five, the number five, the word lovelanguages.com takes about 10 minutes. And I swear it makes a huge difference in your partnership. Well, I will tell you this. I, I actually love the five love languages. I've talked about it on the show before, and I think I might have even given away a copy one month as a giveaway. So um, I awesome. agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, I know what mine is. I know what Sean's is. Um, I'm yeah. trying to learn it for my children as well, because don't forget, you can also learn it for your kids. It's very important uh, to understand wh- the way that they receive love and the way that they show their love, too. So um, thank you for that. Uh, we can never hear enough about the five love languages. Um, so we're going to wrap up soon here, but before we do, I'd love for you to share more about you and what you do. So please tell everyone what you have to offer. I know you work with couples one-on-one, so tell us about that. How does that work? 
Sure. I offer a, um, a free consult, usually by phone, for 30 minutes to start, where just sort of kind of getting a baseline of what you're wanting to work on, what you your goals are, where you'd like your relationship to be. Maybe it's even there and you want to know how to keep it there, but it's sort of just to get a, a good check-in. And I always allow my clients to actually send me an email with whatever information they want me to know ahead of time so that we can use the time to the best of our advantage. And then um, I work one-on-one through video, through Skype, through Zoom, and through phone. So it doesn't matter where you are. And this, because of blended families, as we know, your schedule is you know, crazy and busy. And there's young kids a lot of times that instead of having to deal with a commute or a babysitter, you can throw them in front of the TV for a little while and, you know, do it on a Skype session after that. So it works really well that way. And we really, my focus, I, I say I'm solution focused because I really look at what it is that you're having challenges with. And we work out some specific actionables to help you put into practice steps that are going to get you closer to where you're trying to be. And, you know, that's really the goal, right? You don't want to just be talking every week about whatever, you know, is bothering you. You want to find ways to actually implement strategies and language and approaches that are going to, you know, affect the way that you communicate in a better way. Well, that's great. And you also have a podcast called the Big Change of Heart podcast. So please also tell us how that came to be and what kind of topics do you cover on the show? Sure. Yeah. So the big change of heart concept was sort of around the idea that, you know, whether it's because you are remarrying with kids or you're leaving a, you know, heterosexual partnership for a same sex couple, you know, there's all different kinds of major life changes, whether you have a partner that's much older than you and kind of dealing with the dynamics around that. Those are all what we call the big change of heart. And so we share other people's stories. We have experts on that talk about different aspects of relationships, you know, arguing issues, all kinds of things, conflict resolution, uh, and that's really, and I share a lot of different um, aspects about my personal life and situation, how it kind of relays in, but we also have a lot of people come and share their own story as well. So we're always looking for people who want to kind of share what it's like to be in a blended family or to be in a non-traditional relationship style. And, um, you know, we also have a community, the Big Change of Heart community on Facebook, that's for people to get together to talk about the issues we discuss in the episode and connect with other people who've been in similar situations. That's great. So you are doing a lot. Um, before we go, Janelle, is there anything I missed or any last words of advice or encouragement for my listeners? Well, one last thing I just want to mention is that I am hosting an online workshop on the art of arguing because we can all improve that skill. And it's really about better ways to approach conflict. And um, it's uh, coming up on February 21st. And uh, it's, you know, really working through some of the, the language that we use, our triggers, all of that to kind of get to a place where we can actually find ways to approach conflict within our partnership that doesn't lead to slamming of doors and screaming and constant fighting, which some of us may be familiar with. So, so that's one thing I have coming up, but otherwise, you know, my biggest thing to say is that it is hard, but it's worth it. You know, if the their real love takes work, but it's really, really worth it when you know that there's that foundation that's strong. So don't be afraid to put in the work and ask for someone to talk to on the outside and continue to make that love in your life a priority. Well, that's perfect. And I'm going to go ahead and add all of your links to my show notes. I'm going to make sure I have the link for that webinar as well, uh, because that sounds like it's going to be amazing. Janelle, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about relationships. I'd love to have you on again sometime because it's something I think we really all need to keep working on. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. And I would, I would be more than happy to come back and talk about whatever, whatever anybody wants to hear from. Of course. And listeners, definitely reach out and connect with Dr. Janelle if you think you can use some extra help in the relationship department or in anything. She's very knowledgeable. Also, check out her podcast. And don't forget, your blended family needs a strong partnership to thrive. Even though life gets busy, you have to take the time to work on that partnership. And I hope this show today helped you. And I hope you all have a wonderful Valentine's Day. But please remember that although the holiday is a reminder, you need to nourish your relationship all year long. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.